thanks for tuning in this week to Cross Connection Church Houston. We're a small church plant located in the Pasadena area. It is our mission to save the lost, to equip the saved, to serve both the lost and the saved, and finally to send the equipped. To this end, we teach through the Bible on a verse-by-verse basis, starting from the beginning of a book and working our way through all the way till the end. It is our prayer that you would grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ through his word. Well, at Christmas time, we receive different types of gifts, and usually these different types of gifts kind of uh, bring different responses. And I would say maybe there's three different categories of response. First, there are the gifts that we're not very excited about, uh, like a, a pair of socks. I'm sure you know what none of us are just. When I was a kid, I used to pick up the gifts and shake them and try to figure out what was in them. I don't know if you did that, but you know, I definitely wasn't looking for socks. I'm like, oh, I found socks, so great. But but actually, for me, one of the gifts that I disliked every year, uh, my grandmother would make my brother and I, who's four years older than I am, so he hated it even more, matching outfits. Uh, and so, you know, if you're twins and you're young, that might be kind of cute, but, you know, when you got a four-year age difference and you're both uh, boys, that's not very good. But also, she just was super out of style. So, you know, we had these horrible, ridiculous-looking things, and my mom made us wear them all Christmas Day because she wanted pictures with us in them so she could send them to my grandmother and every time she would lie to my grandmother and say, oh, they loved it so much. Look at their wearing it. We never put it on again in our life. But every year we got a new one because she thought, oh, they love it so much. They love to match. This is so great. Um, and so, you know, there are those gifts that we get that, you know, we really just don't like. And the second category are gifts that, you know, we start off excited for, but then after a little bit of time, you know, that wears off. I mean, we have parents here. I'm sure, you know, you got a gift for your kid and and all of a sudden they're playing with it for maybe even just an hour or a day, and then you can, hey, well, where's that toy, or, or where's that game, and oh, it's in a closet, they don't play with it, they don't touch it, you know, that excitement that they love for a few minutes has worn off, and now, you know, they don't even do anything with it. You know, when I was a kid, uh, I kept asking for the newest cool thing that was coming out, which was the Rubik's Cube, and I thought, I love this, I'm going to complete this, and so, you know, it came completed, and then I mixed it up, And then I tried to complete it, and I tried to complete it, and I tried to complete it, and I never could complete it. And so what was very exciting became very frustrated. And finally, I wanted to think, uh, my brother who could complete it, that I could complete mine. So I dipped it in water, peeled off all the stickers, and put it back the way it's supposed to look, and pretended like I finished it and just left it and never touched it again. Uh, And so, you know, it was that thing that started with excitement, and then it faded. Um, And so the, the final category that we have are the gifts that we're excited for initially, but then that excitement continues and actually even builds because we discover that it's a gift that kind of keeps on giving. Uh, kind of like a, a Russian nesting doll. One time my sister got one of these beautiful wooden dolls, but she didn't have a clue what it was. And so she just thought, wow, this is a, a nice wooden painted doll. And she just played with it like it was just one doll and loved it. And then finally just put it on her shelf. And then one day a friend comes over, sees and says, oh, I love these and pulls it in half. And my sister's freaking out thinking, you know, why are you breaking my, my beautiful doll? And then realizes, wait a second, there's another one inside of that. And then she says, look, and she breaks that one. And then there's another one and another one and another one. Uh, It's just the gift that keeps on giving. And so her excitement initially for it was great. And then it just grew, which is like, I didn't just get one doll. I have like 50 of these things. Uh, And so it was that gift that kept on giving. 
know, I had an experience kind of like this. Um, I actually was at a friend's house and watched a movie I wasn't supposed to watch, which was Rambo. So for my age, I shouldn't have been watching it. But I thought, oh, man, I want a Rambo knife so desperately. And I kept asking my dad, get me a Rambo knife. And he's like, ah, we'll see. So Christmas time comes, and I get this Rambo knife. And I thought, you know, it's this huge blade. It's so manly. And I love it. And so I did all sorts of things with it. I was so excited about it. Uh, And then I go on a camping trip with my dad and my brother. And we're out, and we're in the middle of the forest. My dad's trying to teach us how to get around. And he says, Matthew, did you bring your knife? Of course I brought my knife. Well, get out the compass on it and tell us where we're going. I look at him all confused like, what compass? He takes my knife, he unscrews the back of it, opens it up. There's this compass, there's a tube, there's all this stuff in it, like matches and fishing line and hooks and stuff. And I'm just blown away. Like this knife that I love so much has this secret compartment full of goodies that I didn't even know about. And so it was this gift that kept on giving. Now, the reason I share these things is because I think these three categories are kind of the same categories that people have as they, you know, look at the greatest gift of all, the gift of Jesus. And for many, you know, they don't really care. You know, it's kind of like a pair of socks or like what my grandmother used to put my brother and I in. You know, they're, they're not concerned about it. They don't want it. It doesn't mean much to them. And then others, you know, oh, they received that gift initially with great excitement But, you know, after time, maybe it's just a year or maybe it's five, maybe it's ten, all of a sudden the the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, the excitement of that kind of wanes and fades. And uh, I know in my own Christian life, that was the case for me. You know, I grew up as a pastor's son. I went to church more times than I could count. And, you know, I listened to the Christmas story every year. I was in pageants. I, I heard it so much that it got to a point where, you know, the meaning of it, wear it off, the the significance of it wear it off, and I really didn't have the same kind of wonder and awe and excitement and gratitude towards what Christ did as I did initially when I discovered that and, and understood it. And so, you know, there are times where people kind of first start with that excitement and then it leaves. And then the third group are the groups that, you know, remain. They're excited about what Christ has done. It actually doesn't just remain, it grows. As they deepen in their relationship with Jesus, the excitement and the awe uh, is something that continues. And so, you know, what I want us to do tonight, and, you know, I'm sure we're familiar with the Christmas story. This morning we looked at one portion of it, but we're really not even going to touch on Jesus' birth tonight, because what I want us to kind of look at is the fact that Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, so what about Jesus' birth has given us something even greater, something even more, something that we can be excited for? And I really only just want to look at three things. I mean, we could look at a hundred things, but my goal is just just to kind of remind us of, you know what, if we've lost that awe, we've lost that excitement, if we lost any of that feeling of, wow, you know, what a wonderful gift, I hope these things will help us remember that Jesus in the birth was just the start of something so much more, and that there's so much more that he offers. So the first reason that I want us to note tonight that Jesus is a gift that keeps on giving is because Jesus' physical birth enables us to have a spiritual birth. Jesus' physical birth in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago is one of the greatest gifts that we've been given. It's a wonderful thing. We, we look at the story of the shepherds coming and, and Mary giving birth. And, you know, it's such a wonderful thing. But what I want us to remember is that physical birth of Jesus, 
is what enables us to now have a spiritual birth. You know, Jesus grew up, and there was a point in time in his ministry where he comes and he talks with a man named Nicodemus in John chapter 3, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And I want you to note what Jesus says to this man, this religious leader named Nicodemus. John chapter 3, starting in verse 1, says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So this Pharisee, this religious leader, he comes to Jesus, he's curious about Jesus, he's heard Jesus teach, and he says, you know, hey, I know you're from God because there's no one who could do the miracles that you do unless God sent them. And Jesus responds to him by saying something quite odd to Nicodemus. He didn't quite get it. He says, Nicodemus, if you're not born again, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Now, I'm sure you maybe have heard that term, born again. This is where it comes from. And, and it is kind of an odd term. And Nicodemus is kind of taken back. What are you talking about? You mean I have to go back into my mother's womb and be born? You see, Nicodemus was thinking that Jesus was referring to a physical birth. You know, How is it possible for me as a grown man to be born again? I'm not going to crawl back into my mother's womb and, and have her birth me again. So I don't quite get what you're talking about, Jesus. But Jesus wasn't speaking about a physical rebirth. He was speaking about a spiritual rebirth. He says, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You see, Nicodemus was missing the point, and Jesus wants him to say, hey, you need to be spiritually born again. You see, the birth of Jesus was just the start of God's plan to save us from our sin. After which Jesus was born, he lived a sinless life, and then he sacrificed himself on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead to conquer sin and death. It is the birth and death of Jesus on the cross that ultimately enables us to be spiritually born again. But, but in order for that to happen, it just enables. What Jesus did enables, but it doesn't actually make it happen for us unless we respond to it. And Jesus says in John 3, 16 and 17, some of the most famous uh, verses, and uh, at least quoted. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Jesus says that there's one way. And only one way for you to be spiritually born again. God loved you so much that he gave me, his son, to be sacrificed for your sin. But you must believe in me. You must believe that I am God, that I died on the cross, and I rose from the dead in order to have everlasting life. You know, when you make a choice 
to accept Jesus Christ. There's this amazing change. There's a a passage of Scripture that reveals a, a complete difference that you and I have once we make that choice to accept Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 puts it this way. If anyone is in Christ, if anyone ultimately has accepted Jesus as their Savior, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. I love this. When we accept Christ, we literally become something different. We become something new. There's a, a new creation. What we used to be, the old person who lived for the, the sinful life that we used to have and used to live for is changed and new and different. There's a spiritual birth that Jesus gives to us. We literally are born again to something different and new. And, and this should bring to us a sense of awe, an excitement. As we look at Jesus and his physical birth, I hope that we see it's the start of so much more, that gift that keeps giving, that this is really the greatest gift of all, leading to the fact that you and I can have spiritual birth because of the physical birth of Jesus. So the first reason that Jesus is a gift that keeps on giving is because Jesus' physical birth enables us to have spiritual birth. The second reason is because Jesus being born to an earthly mother enables us to be adopted by a heavenly father. You know, this is a part of the the Christmas story that we love where we have Jesus and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the angel Gabriel comes to this virgin Mary, says, you're going to have a son. And she says, well, how is that possible? I haven't known a man. And no, the Holy Spirit is going to make this possible. And it was such an honor for her to be the earthly mother of Jesus But something that's so fascinating is is this earthly mother of Jesus and the fact that she's willing and God uses her to give birth to Jesus. We have this wonderful reward through this that Galatians chapter 4 tells us. This benefit because of the gift of Jesus. We're told in verses 4 through 6. When the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. Here we're told that God sent forth his son, who was born through a woman, speaking of the Virgin Mary, and there are two purposes. First two redeem us, to to buy us back from the sinful life that we had, the thing that separated us from God. This is what we talked about with the, the spiritual birth. But the second reason is that we could receive adoption as sons and daughters of God. You see, Jesus' birth didn't just enable us to have a spiritual birth. It enabled something even more. It enabled us to become children of God, to be adopted by God. 1 John 3, 1 says this, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. John is saying, behold, there's this thing that I really want you to look at, the manner of love the Father. Look at how God has loved us. Now, usually when we think, oh, how has God loved us? The first thing we think of is Jesus on the cross, the sacrifice for our sins. And that should be the thing that we look to. But John's saying, you know what? I want to share something else. I want to share something else that reveals the amazing love of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, not just that he saved us from our sins, but that we should be called children of God. I want you to try and think of the significance of this for a moment. 
It was not necessary for God to make us his children in order to save us from our sins. Jesus' death on the cross made it possible for our sins to be forgiven, for us to have a relationship with God, for us to be friends of God, for us to be accepted by God, for us to spend eternity in heaven with God. God did not have to make us his children. This is something that he chose to do above and beyond of, you know what? Not only do I want to save you from your sin, I want to make you my child. I want to adopt you into my family. I want to be your heavenly father. You know, I'm sure we've all heard of stories of someone saving someone else. Maybe it's a story of a fireman. I know my my family lives in California. Some of the worst fires are going on right now. And there's a lot of stories of firefighters going in and rescuing people and, and saving them from burning buildings. Maybe it's a police officer saving someone from getting shot. Uh, or someone who just runs out in front of cars and grabs a child, saves them from getting hit. You know, we hear these stories of, of people who save others. But does the story ever end with that person then saying, you know what, I'm so glad I got to save you from the fire or from the bullet or from the car, and now I want to make you my child. Now I want to adopt you into my family. It's just such a a whole nother level of like, wow, you kept me alive, you helped me not burn, you helped me not get shot or run over, but what? You're going to bring me into your home? You're going to make me your child? I mean, this is something that is so much more than just salvation. There's this adoption. And John wants us to understand, Galatians wants us to understand, man, the the blessing of this, how amazing this is. And I think as we look at the birth of Jesus and we look at, wow, what the gift that comes from that. Well, one of them is his physical birth to Mary enables us to have the spiritual adoption to our heavenly Father. But you know, there's only one way to become a child of God, just like there's only one way to be spiritually born again. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But as many as receive Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in His name. John says, hey, you know what? You have to receive Jesus. You have to believe in his name in order to be his child. It's not just that he sacrificed himself or he was born and you're automatically part of God's family. You only become part of his family when you make a choice to receive Jesus and to believe in him. You know, there are many people today who say everyone is a child of God. But you know what? Not everyone is a child of God like John is speaking of here. Everyone was created by God, but they're not children of God with God as their heavenly father. They don't have that privileged relationship and role. There's only a select group, a group that has made a choice to believe in the son of God, to choose to accept Jesus Christ. And now that group are the ones who have the amazing blessing of being children of God. You know, I want you to think about something. You know, this blessing that we have in Christ as we make a choice to receive him and be God's children, that's more than Adam and Eve ever had. You look back into the Garden of Eden, there was never any terminology like this for Adam or for Eve. They were children of God in this sense, that God adopted them. We have more now in Christ than they even had in that perfect garden. And it's just this amazing, amazing privilege that God has given to us. And I hope it brings us to 
to a, a newfound excitement and awe as we look at Jesus' birth, as we celebrate Christmas, that it's not just, oh, yeah, we do this every year, but to realize there's so much more that this birth had. It was a start of something so great. It truly was the gift that kept on giving. So the first reason that Jesus is a gift that keeps on giving is his physical birth enables us to have a spiritual birth. The second reason is Jesus being born to an earthly mother enables us to be adopted by a heavenly father. And the third reason, the last reason that we'll look at, as I said, there are many more that we could. Jesus's physical birth enables us to have spiritual blessings. You know, the the physical birth to to Mary was a huge blessing in and of itself. All who got to be there, all who got to see it, the the shepherds who were there, and and then the wise men later, Simeon, who got to be there at the dedication of Jesus in the temple. They, They just had this amazing blessing of encountering Jesus here on this earth. But Jesus's physical birth brings to us some of the most wonderful blessings that there are. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You know, when you and I place our faith in Jesus, we're told that we have this wonderful privilege. Ephesians chapter 1, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, I encourage you, go read through it. If you want to have more reasons of why Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving, there's a whole list of all these things that we have received in connection to our relationship with Christ. And I'm just noting one, the fact that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It's, it's an amazing thing when you really start to ponder and think through because, you know, we love physical blessings. You know, we love money and cars and houses and the physical things that we can get in this life. But spiritual blessings are far superior. You know, when Jesus talks about spiritual versus physical, he says, you know what, don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Store up your treasures in heaven. Why? Nobody's going to take them. They're not going to rust. They're not going to get old. They're going to last for eternity. There are blessings that are far more valuable because they last versus the things in this life which can be taken away so quickly. Spiritual blessings are so much more valuable. And God didn't just say, you know what, here's one. And you know what, you get one and you get one. Notice we're told every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is available to you and I. And notice he doesn't say he will bless. He uses the past tense term. It says he has blessed. It's accessible now. It's available now to you and I. This is such a a wonderful, wonderful blessing that we have. Charles Spurgeon said this about spiritual blessings. Our thanks are due to God for all the physical blessings. They are more than we deserve. But our thanks ought to go out to God in thunders of hallelujahs for spiritual blessings. A new heart is better than a new coat. To feed on Christ is better than to have the best earthly food. To be an heir of God is better than being the heir of the greatest nobleman. To have God for our portion is infinitely more blessed to our own broad acres of land. God has blessed us with spiritual blessings. These are the rarest, the richest, the most enduring of all blessings. They are priceless in value. I love this description that Charles Spurgeon gives here, and hopefully it helps you grasp what we have and spiritual blessings. What what a wonderful thing that we have been given. And once again, as we look to Jesus and, and his birth and we remember this, realize it's just the start. 
God started his plan of redemption by leaving the throne of heaven and coming to a stable as a baby. And that was the start of something so glorious where he grows up and lives a sinful, sinless sorry, uh, life and he sacrifices himself on a cross and, and rises from the dead to offer us so much more than just salvation from our sins. And it's a mind-boggling thought that, you know, that in and of itself was enough. But yet God says, no, I have so much more I want to give you. I have so much more that I want to bless you with. I want you to be my children. I want to give you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I have an inheritance for you because you're now my child. But you know what? To have these wonderful things, this every spiritual blessing, and the whole list that we see in Ephesians chapter 1, you don't just get it because you're born. You only get it because you're born again. You only get it because you're in Christ, because you've made a choice to believe and trust in Jesus Christ. There are many more reasons that Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving that He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He sacrificed Himself for us. He loves us so greatly. We could spend hours and hours looking at all that Jesus did and all that we receive because of it. But, you know, I just look at my life growing up and realize I lost sight of how amazing the birth of Jesus is because it is the start. It is the start of this plan of God, this plan to redeem mankind, to save us from our sins, which bring us so much. And my challenge to you, and maybe you never have, and I think that's a great thing if you never have, but you know what? If this has just become a yearly thing of you hear the story and it's kind of lost its excitement, its awe, it's lost the power, it's lost, wow, this is so amazing, look what I've been given. I encourage you to rethink through the gift that keeps on giving that that birth of Jesus has brought far more than maybe you have even thought through or recognized not only in this life but even more in the life to come you know what we're promised what our future is what our hope is we have the hope of heaven we have the hope of eternity where there's no more tears there's no more sadness there's no more death forever we're in the presence of of the God who loved us so much that he gave his life for us. And so my challenge for you as you gather together with family tomorrow and as you think through the the Christmas story, you remember Jesus' birth, Remember, it's so much more than a baby in a manger, so much more than, you know, the story that we read because he doesn't stay there. He grows up to accomplish something so glorious on our behalf. And the rewards that come from it, the gifts that keep coming to us because of it, are just amazing. And so I encourage you to really ponder that, think through that, uh, and hopefully let it give you more excitement, more awe, more encouragement uh, as you remember Christ uh, this Christmas season. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we we are not deserving as we think through all the things that we've been given, salvation, as the fact that you even came to be one of us, we aren't deserving of that. We aren't deserving of, of being your child. We aren't deserving of the spiritual blessings that we've been given. We aren't deserving to be redeemed. We deserve hell. 
We deserve punishment for our sins, but yet you have made it possible for us to be forgiven. You have made it possible for us to escape your judgment, to have eternity with you in heaven. And I pray that we would just reflect upon that this Christmas season, that we be reminded of what you have given to us, how glorious it truly is, how undeserving we are, but how amazing you are, and how much you truly love us because you willingly gave this to us. You willingly sacrificed yourself. No one forced you to the cross. You willingly went because of your great love for us. And we are just grateful for that. And I pray that we would remember that. I pray that we would be encouraged by that. And we just thank you for a night just to come and reflect upon you. And I pray tomorrow as we gather with gifts and family and food and and the traditions that we have, Lord, I, I pray we would not lose sight of what it all truly is about. It's all about you. And Lord, I do pray that as we have opportunity maybe to be with family or neighbors or or friends or or someone that would be in contact with us in this wonderful season that we might communicate to them why we celebrate Christmas, why we believe it's so valuable and important and point them to you and what you've done for them and the opportunity that they have to once again, just like we do, receive you and have all these wonderful blessings. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. And we're just grateful for what you've done. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.